Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest for Friday, April 2nd, 2010. Here's what's making news headlines this morning. After Iraq vote, Iran seeks to weigh in. Despite strains, Chinese leader will visit the U.S. And security checks on flights to U.S. will be revamped. In this morning's financial headlines, more creditors are garnishing debtors' pay. From China, a signal that its currency may rise, and after a 30-year fight, the U.S. sets emissions rules for autos. There will be more business stories along with more national and world news, the latest from the sports page, and New York Times columnist Paul Krugman. Now, from the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top story is written from Baghdad by Rod Nordland. It's titled, After Iraq Vote, Iran Seeks to Weigh In. Iran may seem an unlikely place to turn for guidance when it comes to putting together a democratic government, but that is exactly what most of Iraq's political class did immediately after last month's parliamentary elections. The ink was hardly dry on the polling results when three of the four major political alliances rushed delegations off to Tehran. None sent anyone to the U.S. Embassy, let alone to Washington. Nor has anyone tried to intervene. Even Ayat Alawi, the secular candidate whose Iraqi coalition won the most seats and renounced Iranian support in seeking a parliamentary majority, has heard nothing from the Americans. I think they don't want to be associated with any visit, so they wouldn't be seen as siding with one against the other, he said. The Iranians, however, have shown no such qualms, publicly urging the Shiite religious parties to bury their differences so they can use their superior numbers to choose the next prime minister. Their openness and Washington's reticence is a measure of the changed political dynamic in Iraq. Even though more than 90,000 U.S. troops remain in Iraq, no one seriously doubts that they're leaving, taking a slice of America's political influence with them. Before the full results were announced here, President Jalal Talabani from the Kurdistan Alliance and Vice President Adel Abdul Mahdi from the Shiite-dominated Iraqi National Alliance flew to Tehran on Saturday, ostensibly to attend celebrations of the Islamic New Year, which had actually begun weeks earlier. Prime Minister Nuri Kamal al-Maliki, who ran a close second to Alawi, sent a delegation from his State of Law Alliance. Iraqia is the only one who doesn't flock to Iran, said Rend al-Rahim, an Iraqia candidate. They think Iran is an arbiter and broker in Iraqi politics, and that they need Iran to put their house in order. Alawi himself said he had no intention of making that pilgrimage. I don't think it's in the interest of Iraq, nor in the interest of Iran, to go and discuss the formation of a government, he said. When Alawi, whose party was propelled by millions of Sunni Arab voters, toured neighboring Arab states during the election campaign, his Shiite opponents cried foul, accusing him of encouraging Arab meddling in Iraq's electoral affairs. Some noted that he spent more time in Saudi Arabia than he did at campaign appearances in Iraq. But Iran and Iraq do have differences. While Iranians are overwhelmingly Shiite, they're Persians, while Iraq Shiites are mostly Arabs and make up only 60% of its population. The Shiite religious parties dominate two of Iraq's four biggest electoral alliances. Maliki's Dawa party is the major component of his State of Law alliance, which won 89 seats to Iraqia's 92. In the Iraqi National Alliance, the largest grouping belongs to followers of the radical Shiite cleric Moqtada al-Sadr, who's been living in Iran since 2007. Sadr is to count for about 40 of the INA's 70 seats in the next parliament.